I don't know. <laughs> Tonight on the Late Night Fright, we have the classic 1980s Stanley Kubrick film, The Shine, and starring Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall. Can you dig it? I am the Coyote, right here on the Late Night Fright with Dan and Faith on WIKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Alright, that's enough. I introduced the show. Come on. Bring it down. Hey, that's enough of that. Oh, no, let them play. Let, let the band play out. Yeah, I, I dig the music. I like this one. Mm-hmm. Hey, Coyote, why don't you give us a howl before we go into the show? Yeah, I guess I could do that. Welcome to all of you axe-wielding, aspiring novelists to Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me, as always, is my very own personal caretaker, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Faith, what are we talking about today? We are talking about one of my favorites, The Shining. Yes, from 1980, directed by Stanley Kubrick, based on the Stephen King novel, and Faith... We're not alone in the studio today, are we? We are not. We have a very special guest with us, don't we? We do. Who is it? Your own dog, Lily. My my own <laughs> boxer, Jack Russell, <laughs> mutt, Lily. She's here with us. So if you hear any doggy sounds or any yeah, dogging around going on in the back. Squeaking. It's not yeah, us. <laughs> it's, it's Lily. She's here with us. So she's looking forward to making her big radio debut. Well, speaking of The Shining, this one has been on the list and we are finally getting to it in celebration of the sequel film, Dr. Sleep, starring Obi-Wan Kenobi that has just been released in the theaters. Is that right? Obi-Wan Kenobi? I think so. Obi-Wan, that's Ewan McGregor, isn't it? I just know him as Obi-Wan. From now on, yeah. <laughs> I think after those movies, he will forever be Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> so you already answered this question. But I'm going to ask it again. Mm-hmm. You really like this movie, don't you? I really, really do. I can't wait to get into why you love this movie so much. But before we can do that, we have a little bit of business, don't we, Faith? We do. What time is it? The news. It's time for the news. <laughs> Farts are funny, but yesterday's fire at Cozy Corner High proved that lighting farts are no laughing matter. Cozy Corner Fire Department spokeswoman Lisa Wednesday says that the fire originated from the boys' bathroom located in the gymnasium. A big lighter, along with a pair of singed and soiled boxer briefs, were found at the scene. Wednesday added that Thursday is three bean burrito day in the high school cafeteria and that it doesn't take a rocket surgeon to put two and two together. While the identity of the culprit or culprits remains a mystery, Principal Sterling Spingler did suspend several students who took it upon themselves to sing Debbie Boone's 1977 number one hit single, You Light Up My Life, as they watched the gymnasium burn to the ground. Faith, it's November and the holidays are upon us. You know what that means. Turkey, cranberry, dressing, and traveling. 
Cozy Corner Travel Society wants you to have safe and sanitary travels this season. They have just released the app Holiday Pooping, available now for all mobile devices. The app covers the basics, such as not eating anything too controversial the day before traveling, as well as making sure you evacuate your bowels before hitting the road. There is also a function that tells you the best places to stop and poop along your route should the need arise. Happy holidays to all of you out there and safe pooping to you all. That's a pretty clever app, I think. I think it's a great idea. Bobbo the Clown, host of Cozy Corner Television's number one rated daytime children's program, Bopo's Basement, just hasn't been himself recently. Friends became worried when Bopo admitted that he felt depressed. They advised him to seek medical treatment, and after a precursory examination by a doctor, it was discovered that Bopo's depression stems from a broken funny bone. Best of luck to you, Bopo, and we wish you a full and speedy recovery. It's always something, isn't it? Always. Well, here we are. This is a special episode. We are in the month of November. Thanksgiving is upon us. Halloween is behind us. Christmas is somewhere somewhere past the horizon, right? Closer than we Closer closer than, than we'd we like we to think. It. We've been doing this show <laughs> since February and Faith, someone has still not been on the show. Who is that? Robert England. You know, we got my dog Lily on the show before we got Robert England. Now, we I have know. been sweetening the pot you know we've been making him offers you know uh, Mm -hmm. trying to entice him to be on our show but you know what Uh, now that all stands right but what i'm going to do now is i'm going to say that the uh holiday pooping app Mm -hmm. yes i believe that is a 2.99 download i'm going to buy him that oh wow so robert england i am going to pay for your download of holiday pooping from the Cozy Corner Travel Society. This is how much we want to have you on the show. That way, if you have to drive to us, you know where to stop and poop along the way. What do you think, Faith? I think it's a good deal. I think it's a great deal. And that is the news. Robert England England Don't keep us Come on our show, come on our show, come on our show, prime time. Well, Faith, it never gets old, does it? Never. No, apparently that song doesn't work because he has not been (laughs) on the show yet. Well, we have a good one. This is in celebration of the release of Dr. Sleep. We are going to be talking about Stanley Kubrick's 1980 classic film, The Shining, starring Jack Nicholson and Olive Oil. I mean, Shelley Duvall. (laughs) I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we will see you on the other side. This is Harrison Ford, the Big HF host of The Straight Dope. W. KMF's number one rated program. Why is a straight dope rated number one? People want the straight dope. Want the straight dope. Join me this week for a shootout that should prove to be very exciting. We've got two blends based on iconic movies I was in. We've got American Graffiti, a Northern California blend going up against Temple of Doom, straight from India. I'm also going to be 
doing a dessert shootout, uh, all hostess edition, uh, Twinkies versus Ding Dongs versus Snowballs, what's, what's best after you've gotten high on the straight dope, join me, or not, I really don't care on whatever radio station this is, whatever. Cozy Corners resident old bastard and host of Bustin' Balls with Burt right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Join me this week. My topic is what's wrong with modern chicks. I just don't get it. I'm going to bust their balls right here on the radio. And just between you and me, several of these modern chicks have balls. Join me, Burt Biederman, for the most goddamn politically incorrect show in the world. Busting balls with Burt right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Turn the music down. The historic Overlook Hotel, nestled snugly off the beaten path in Colorado's majestic Rocky Mountains. The Overlook. We're waiting for you. We know we were the site of two grisly murders in 1970 and 1980, but don't let that deter you from booking your stay at The Overlook. Have you seen our views? The Overlook. Come play with us. In 1975, after the critical and commercial failure of Barry Lyndon, legendary director Stanley Kubrick needed to make a film that was both commercially viable and artistically fulfilling. The result was The Shining. Released on May 23, 1980 by Warner Brothers, the film was based on the 1977 novel by Stephen King. Three-time Academy Award winner Jack Nicholson stars as novelist Jack Torrance, a recovering alcoholic who takes a job as the off-season caretaker of The Overlook, a historic hotel located in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. Nicholson was Kubrick's first choice for the role, although Robert De Niro, Robin Williams, and Harrison Ford were considered. King, who has been highly critical of Kubrick's adaptation, disagreed with Nicholson's casting and would have preferred to have seen John Voight in the role of Torrance. Nicholson lobbied for Jessica Lange to portray Wendy, Jack's wife, because he felt she better embodied the character as written in King's novel. Kubert convinced him that Shelley Duvall was better suited to his vision of Wendy as more timid and dependent. Duvall won the role, and while the relationship between the director and actress was more than intense, in the years following the film, Duvall reflected that Kubert was probably pushing her to her limits to get the best out of her, and she wouldn't trade the experience for anything, though she wouldn't want to do it again. Nicholson thought Duvall was fantastic and said she did the toughest job of any actor he had ever seen. Upon Nicholson's recommendation, Scatman Crothers was cast as Overlook chef Dick Halloran and Danny Lloyd was cast as Danny, Jack and Wendy's gifted son. Rounding out the cast are Barry Nelson as Allman, Philip Stone as Grady, Joe Turkle as Lloyd, and Tony Burton as Durkin. Reactions to The Shining were mixed upon its release, but in recent years that assessment has changed and it is now considered to be one of the greatest 
and most influential horror films ever made. The film has spawned several theories into what it actually means, and in 2018 it was selected for preservation in the United States Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. King wrote a 2013 sequel called Dr. Sleep, which has been adapted into a 2019 film starring Ewan McGregor as the adult Danny Torrance. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. Faith, let's go ahead and get right into it and let's get this out of the way. There are several glaring differences between the Kubrick movie and the King novel. We're not going to be talking about those. All right. Except maybe as they, <laughs> as they come up a little bit. We're going to keep the focus on the movie. We may note one or two of them. With that said, there are also a lot of fun theories out there about what the movie is really about. We're not going to be taking that approach to the material. We're going to talk about how we see it and, if applicable, talk about some of the theories floating around out there. So with that in mind, my first question is, what is this movie about? I've always watched this movie kind of straightforward as a ghost movie. And that's just what I've always, you know, a haunted hotel. So you take it at face value. Pretty much, yes. Okay. So let's get some of the theories out of the way because some of these are very fun. And Lily is chiming in with her squeak toys. Oh, that was was me. That was you. Okay. So let's uh, let's talk about some of the theories. Uh, One theory is that it's about the slaughter of the Native Americans. Mm -hmm. One is that it's about uh, the U.S. getting off of the gold standard. That is one that I've read. The one that I find the most amusing is that it is Kubrick's confession for faking the (laughs) Apollo moon landing. Yes. Okay. I put some stock in that, not a lot of stock, because I think that one's the most fun out of all of them. There's so many. I mean, the Holocaust. There's a lot. Yeah. So many. There's a lot. Uh, One of the other themes, though, is that the character of Jack Torrance is sexually abusing his son Danny in the movie. We're going to talk more about that in just a second. That's the one out of all of them that I can buy the most, but I'm like you. Doing the rewatch for this, I just went, no, this is what it is. Like, this is a a ghost story, but I'm going to make... Uh, I'm gonna make a point that possibly it is maybe about one or two of those other things though, but it's not entirely I think, about. Yeah, I, those I'm with things. you. I think it's a there are things kind of was uh, kind of uh, weaved in there. Absolutely, he not, was a master. Of, yeah, he but was it's a master. Not of that. the whole yeah. picture. And I'm know. pretty sure that Stanley Kubrick had read a book on advertising and subliminal messages and things like this. So he was coding some things into this film, I believe, but I really do believe that on its, that it is what it, you know, shows itself to be. (laughs) Um, And I do want to say that some of the people that worked on this with Kubrick, they have laughed at most of the Mm -hmm. conspiracy theories and they're like, no, we were making a haunted house movie, (laughs) you know, but I do think that there's some other things in there. So you say that it's, it's basically just about, um, it's a ghost story. Yeah, I think it goes a little deeper than just like, here's some ghosts, you're in a haunted hotel. I mean, I, I, it's definitely more, you know, psychological, I think. Would you agree? I mean, yes. it definitely gets to yes. that level than just, here's some people in a haunted Yes, hotel, I, I do think that it is deeper than just, hey, here's here's a scary place. Right, yeah. but, I'm, but I'm not watching it picking out all this stuff and like, oh, that's what this is about. Or, oh, no, it's about this. You know what I mean? I'm kind of just watching it as a ghost story, really. Right. 
So you see it at face value, although you do think that there are some some hidden things mm-hmm. woven in there. And, and a lot of these conspiracy theorists with this movie do point out some really interesting things that, that are there. And he was such a perfectionist that I do believe that anything that is in this movie is there for a very good reason. Right. So um, do you put any stock into those theories? Yeah, there, there are some that I mean, I can I would buy, but... <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and throw out my theory right now what this movie is about. I think it's about cyclical violence. Mm -hmm. I believe that it is about cycles of violence, the cycle of violence in this family. Now, we talked about the Native Americans, you know, the slaughter of the Native Americans. Mm -hmm. There's too much stuff in this movie for me to discount that this was on his mind. Because they say, well, you know, it's built on sacred Indian burial ground. They, you know, they make the uh, point about some of the decorations being based on uh, Native American art. Mm-hmm. And then there was the uh, the battle uh, that happened when the, when the white man was taking that land. Right. So um, <laughs> the slaughter and genocide of Native Americans is not one of our more proud moments in American history. Exactly. So that's a cycle of violence. Mm-hmm. So the Holocaust things, um, I personally don't see the Holocaust things. But uh, that would definitely tie into the cycles of abuse and then also the alcohol abuse, which is going to be a huge thing moving forward. So on this show, we have talked about energy and how places can harness energy and then take on a life of their own. The Overlook seems to be one of those places and is where I want to start because this place is one of the main characters in the film. What is it? about this place that makes it so creepy and do you put any stock into the notion that it's haunted because it is built on sacred indian burial ground or do you think that's just a you know a way of you know yeah making some kind of uh rationale for it being the way that it is yeah i mean i i can see that i mean maybe that's just the idea you know like the catalyst of all this stuff happening but you know maybe it was just oh what can we do to make it haunted you know so yeah maybe no um i'll i'll buy i'll buy that tying into the cyclical violence i'll I'll buy that but you know no it's like you know just because the this is native american sacred ground you know this place is haunted you know um i think it just is what it is i think it's just a evil haunted place (laughs) why do you think it's so creepy it's so in the middle of nowhere that's exactly what i have in my notes i think the idea of isolation yeah. Is what makes it the creepiest, especially when, you know, there's nobody else there. And I feel like that's just kind of what yeah. I find so creepy about it. It had been a while since I had seen this movie, and I was thinking uh, when they're in their little uh, yellow bug mm-hmm. going out there, the whole family, not just him. And before they said it, and I was thinking to myself, you know, because I know what's going to happen in the movie, but it had been a while since I'd seen it all the way through. And I was thinking of the Donner Party, and they actually do mention the Donner Party. So you have you hit the nail on the head. There's the isolation, mm-hmm. stir crazy, cabin fever feelings. And on the on the surface, I would very much like to spend the off season there in the Overlook. But <laughs> you know, it, it, it's something about that isolation, and you're so far away from society. Exactly. I feel like there's even this um this electric or something type of intensity to it that you can feel or something it kind of absolutely you yeah. know that i feel like that just kind of makes it even creepier 
Yeah. And uh, you're in the middle of nowhere and the elements are not helping here at all. The exactly. snow. So it's not only are you isolated, you literally can't leave. Yeah, you're trapped. The feeling of being trapped. I mean, they talk about 20 feet of snow on the roadway. Right. I mean, is uh, is the Overlook Hotel like the Hotel California? You can check in, but you can never check out kind of thing. Seems that way. You know, <laughs> it's uh, but no, it's in the the actual design of this place is not too inviting. I know the exteriors right. were based on a real place, but it's mm-hmm. not the most cozy place. No, but I like it. I know you do. You're a little <laughs> weird. So. What do you make of the nightmarish images we see in the Overlook? We have the Grady girls, the blood flowing from the elevator, the woman in the bathtub. And would you like to venture an opinion as to what they might mean? I, of course, love all of them. (laughs) They're obviously iconic and, you know, people think of those instantly when you think of The Shining. Of, Of all of these images, which one do you think is the most iconic? Ooh, possibly the twins. I'm going to go with the twins. I'm going to go with the twins. Yeah. Yeah. The one that always creeped me out the most was the old lady there. (laughs) That's the one. Now, I was going to say this, uh, and I texted this to you. I said, The Shining doesn't really scare me. Right. Like, it doesn't scare me. Now, the first time I saw this movie, the old lady... Creeped me out. Scared me. Mm -hmm. And I think it has to do with the way that he films her. Yeah. Because you've got got the tracking shot coming back, and Mm -hmm. she's coming towards you, and she's got that... And and I don't know how this sounds. She almost has a Scooby Doo monster look in her mm. face about her. There's mm-hmm. something cartoonish about her, and it is creep central to me. And that really bothered me the first time I saw me it. Too. But it doesn't bother me as know. much anymore because I, I know it's coming. But um, the movie itself doesn't really scare me as much as it disturbs me. It's right. a disturbing film. Exactly. So. <laughs> Um, do you have any opinion about what these things might I, mean? I, I could attempt to venture some guesses. Um, you, you call them the Grady girls. I wouldn't consider them the Grady girls mm-hmm. because they're twins. The Grady uh, girls were not twins. Uh, I do think that the, uh, they were eight and 10 and these little girls yeah. are identical. So, so you're saying I called them the twins? Well, you put the Grady girls. Grady girls. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I don't believe that they're those girls. I believe in some way they are a mirror. Possibly for Danny and Wendy. Okay. Because every shot of them is literally mirrored. Even in the way they speak. They say the same line and then the hallway's mirrored. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm getting excited talking about it over here. All right. Can you see that? Absolutely, I can see that. Yes. So even their even Danny's clothes matches what they're wearing. They're wearing blue, and then they're covered right. in red blood. Wendy's wearing red and blue. Okay, I like it. Kind of where I'm going there. Am I? I like <laughs> it. Now, how right. do you how do you account for the fact that he says he took care of the girls when he's in in the bathroom scene with Torrance? Oh, I don't know. Because he says he took an axe to his family, and you do see them sprawled True. out. True. So I like your theory, though. I like where you're going with that. And I will just say um, I could go with you on. I don't think it's the girls. I think it's just the cycle of violence mm-hmm. in that house. And like, I think that's presenting what, itself. I think that's what the blood is. I think the blood represents the violence and blood has been spilled there over time. And it will be again. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's just in cycles. Yeah. Uh, so the thing 
that is made, uh, they make a big deal about this, the end of the movie with the photograph. Mm-hmm. You see Jack Torrance at the July 4th, uh, 1921 party there in the ballroom because uh, he dies. And then we go in on that picture and there he is, one of the most famous endings in cinema history. Right. What do you make of that? Because a lot of people, you know, this is, in, again, the conspiracy theories that he's a reincarnation of someone and, right. and all of these things. That's what do you like make the of most that? popular theory I read. Yeah. And I could I could go there. I even read something where he obviously died and people are saying that you know once you die you can travel to any time. So he was there. Correct. Yeah. So I think he got absorbed into the history of that I, house I think so too. and it's as I keep saying the wheel Cycle. is turning there. Exactly. Yeah. And my where I got the idea for the thing with the cyclical violence was the end of the movie. Mhm when they're in the hedge maze and I'm going and I was sitting there, I was watching, I was like, this damn thing keeps going on and on. And I went, wait a second. They keep going around and around and around. I was like, this is what this movie's about Mm -hmm. going around and around and around. And I want to put this out there too. I talked about the native Americans uh, and the slaughter, a line that Shelley Duvall has uh, really struck me when she and Danny are going into the maze and she says, uh, the loser has to clean up America. Mm-hmm. The loser has to clean up America. And I thought that was such an odd thing to say. Yeah. And then you're coming off, you know, you're thinking about the native Americans and I'm going, that's what that's about. But again, it's what it's about, but what it's not about. Exactly. You know, it's, it, yeah, it's kind of, kind of baked in, but it's not yeah, the whole, yeah, the whole thing. Absolutely. But, uh, I think he just gets absorbed into the history of the house and, yeah. Those pictures might be changing for all we know. Yeah. You know. Um, Good point. So speaking of Jack, what do you think of Jack Nicholson's performance? And do you buy any of the criticisms that Stephen King throws at him when he said that he seems too crazy right off the bat? Because as we said in the bumper, uh, Stanley Kubrick always wanted Jack Nicholson. Stephen King would have preferred John Voight. And John Voight is awesome. Love John Voight. The other guys on the list were uh, De Niro, Robin Williams, Harrison Ford was on the list. Uh, let me ask this question out of all of those guys. And funny enough, Robert De Niro was deemed not psychotic enough. Robin Williams was deemed too psychotic. <laughs> um, which of those performances would you like to see in an alternate universe? I would actually like to see the Robin Williams because I can't picture him that way. Even though you had mentioned he's in another movie where he's crazy, you know. Correct. He's in the movie Insomnia and One Hour Photo where he plays kind of crazy. Yeah, and it him. really, really works for him yeah I, and i can't picture that so i think that'd be cool to see but I, I think i could see robert de niro in that role i could see robert de niro in this role I mean, with no problem whatsoever uh, the interesting one would be harrison ford mm-hmm. that's the one that i think would be really um uh disconcerting out of all of them you know <laughs> yeah. and i think he could have pulled that off i think so so, but we have Nicholson and I have absolutely no problem with Nicholson. What do you think of Nicholson's performance? He gives one of my favorite performances, I think, in any movie. He, it's one of those that just have always just, it's, it this stands, is iconic. Yeah, it yeah. stands out. You think of it. I think he nailed it. Do you think he plays too crazy off of the bat or do you think that's part of, and again, we're not talking about Stephen King's right. vision of The Shining. Stanley Kubrick had this vision. I wouldn't call him crazy necessarily i think he is intense in a way yeah there's something a little throwed off and i've known uh several recovering alcoholics i've known several of them that have been on dry drunks and he does have that demeanor 
I will give Stephen King a point, though, because I do think that he might be playing it a little too a little too heavy in the beginning, especially in the interview scene. Right. But I have I have no problem with it. I but don't I have a problem. I, I can of the criticisms. That's the one where I can go. Okay, yeah, maybe they could have dialed it back. You know, a right. little. I think it worked. I mean, to but me, it's, it's, it's fine. fine. I think it fits what the movie is and who he is for the movie. Absolutely. And you know. Absolutely. So Shelley Duvall was also criticized for being too timid and not like the Wendy portrayed in the novel. What do you think of her performance as Wendy? Because this was nominated for a Golden Razzie for Worst Actress after the movie came out. That's just crazy. Because <laughs> I think she's amazing. I think she grounds the movie in a way. So, I mean, I wouldn't deem her worst actress, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. I like her performance a lot. She's very like, um, she's obviously strange, but there's a specific word I'm looking for. Eccentric. Eccentric. There you go. Yes. And there are times in the movie where I'm annoyed as all get out with her (laughs) and not in, oh, I've got to turn off this movie and get away from Shelley Duvall, but. I realize, like, you know, I'm getting annoyed with her, and so is he. Right, exactly. You know, so I don't, and I know Kubrick was very, very hard on her. They had a very difficult relationship, and he did push her. She says, looking back on it, she knows that he was pushing her to her limits. He was trying to get this performance out of her. This That was his intention. And she says, looking back on it, you know, she wouldn't trade this for anything in the world, but would not want to go do it again. <laughs> but it, there was no ill will Afterwards, I think he was and he had everybody on the set distance themselves from her. He didn't want anybody giving her any comfort. He wanted her to feel totally alone and vulnerable. And then, you know, he does, uh, you know, Kubrick was notorious for the number of takes that he would do. And the scene where she's on the uh, steps where they're Mm -hmm. going up and she has a baseball Baseball. bat, 127 takes. Wow. I think at one point I could be wrong on this. They had a Guinness World Record for the number of takes uh, and. I really think uh, if you watch her swinging that bat, I think she has nothing left in her arms. I really think it's just, did you notice how just, yes. just frail it was, you know, like I can see why now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think she's very good. I'm very glad that so she's too. in this movie. I don't know that it would have worked as well with someone, uh, you know, they did a TV movie of this. Rebecca De Mornay played her in the TV movie and she's very strong and very, very, uh, you know, strong willed. Right. A 180 from this, very much more like the Wendy in the book. And I don't know, there's something about Shelley Duvall that kind of says, you know, you know, she's not going to be able to take charge of this situation and mm-hmm. get out of it. Yeah. And uh, I don't even see her as being a wilting flower. I think she's just so terrified. I mean, wouldn't you be like, this is um, yeah. going on. And let me <laughs> ask you this too. Um, a lot is made out of the scene with the, uh, with the man in the bear suit. You know, there's a scene where he's obviously performing some kind of oral sex on these uh, who is supposed to be the old owner of the hotel. A lot of people have said that this is a moment where she realizes that her husband has been abusing their son. I can see it that way. I can I can make that work. Uh, But also kind of looking at what's there on the screen when this happens, uh, she actually, I think, is starting to realize that something's off with this place. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when she, because they look at her, you know, and then then it comes up. Again, I love the conspiracy theories. Uh, I can buy the abuse angle. Me too. And she realizes that he's been abusing the child. But I really think this is when she realizes, like, this place is against her, too. She mm-hmm. has to get out of this, yeah. this place. How do you see that? I'm right there with you. Honestly, I mean, that's 
I totally agree. I think you stole all the words out of my mouth. <laughs> I shined them from your mind. <laughs> you did. That's what I did. <laughs> Speaking of shining, what did you think of our creepy kid, Danny Torrance, played by Danny Lloyd? And how funny is it that we have two actors with, with the, the same, same name as their as character? <laughs> I like it. No, um, he's, he's awesome. He's so creepy. I mean... Yeah. I would not want him as a child. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did read that the little thing he was doing with his finger, talking, uh-huh. you know, from Tony. Right. Is, uh, that was his idea. Really? Uh, to do that. Yeah. And uh, wow. I'm okay. sitting, I'm looking at Faith right now in the studio and I'm doing it. I'm doing it to her like, like you all Can out you there. Can you talk like Tony? Kit, Mrs. Faith. <laughs> oh, God. So, um, now, Tony in the novel is Danny's adult self shining back to him um i like that you don't really have any idea what this is that uh and i like that you know the kid is gifted but you don't go into too much detail about it i like that you get the amount of information you do from uh scatman crothers but uh dick halloran i was was looking for his name that you get from dick halloran uh but they just kind of let you you know yeah figure it out for yourself but there's really not much to figure out he can He's psychically gifted and this place is showing him things, exactly. you know, <laughs> it's kind of so, all right um, there for you. I, I think this is one of the better, you know, kid performances in, in movies. I think so, too. You I know? mean, and Stanley Kubrick, to his credit, protected him uh, from all of this. Uh, Danny Lloyd did not realize he was making a horror movie. Hmm. He did not let him see any of the more horrific elements. Hmm. And uh, so he thought they were just making a family drama. Right. And. Uh, he didn't let anyone tell him what it was and, and all of these things. That's pretty um, cool because he still brings that creep factor. And he yeah. didn't even, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know that, that he didn't yeah. know. He was very protective of him. That's really cool. And uh, Danny Lloyd says he didn't see the whole movie until he was 17. Wow. He saw an edited version when he was 11 and he saw the whole thing at 17. And he said it didn't pack any punch for him because he knew what what was going on right. with everybody. But um, he didn't act too much. I think he did one more film after this, and he's a uh, professor now and uh, mm. uh, married with four kids from what I read. So he's doing very well. So he didn't fall into the Hollywood life. But uh, <laughs> I think it's great that Kubrick, you know, because um, we're talking about Kubrick pushing Shelley Duvall to her limits. He did not push this young man, yeah. you know, too hard. And I like, I like that. And I, I, think, I mean, I think he already did a good job, but now knowing that, you know, he didn't know all the details, man. I think that makes it a little a little cooler, you know? I mean, he's really good. I do, too. I think he's I think he's great. Um, we do need to talk about one other cast member. We mentioned his name, Scatman Crothers. He plays Dick Halloran. He also has the shining. Scatman Crothers uh, was a Jack Nicholson recommendation. He appeared with Jack Nicholson in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Scatman Crothers did not have a good time making this movie because Kubrick made him do something 80, 90, 100 times, and he just got very sick of it. Um, But he wanted to be there to work with Kubrick. And famous story about Scatman Crothers is his next film after this was Clint Eastwood's uh, Bronco Billy, which is a wonderful movie. And Scatman Crothers steals every scene he's in in that movie. Kubrick does 80, 90, 100, 110, 120, 130 (laughs) takes, sets Guinness records for, for takes. Clint Eastwood does one, <laughs> maybe two if the sound was off, you know, and they said when Scatman Carruthers did his first scene in Bronco Billy, they did one take. Eastwood goes, all right, all right, that's it. Let's go. You know, and uh, said he started crying because he was like, this is great, you know, Hallelujah. <laughs> but he, he did. 
he does he did enjoy being in the movie. So right. yeah, it was hard work, yeah. you know. But I love uh, him in the movie. Yeah, I think he's great. I think he's awesome. I he's think always he's... been one of those people that I just really like, you know, to see when he pops up. Yes, and he is very famous to kids in the eighties, like me, uh, who watched the Transformers cartoon. He did the voice of Jazz, Ooh. and uh, so his voice was very familiar to me at a at a very early age. And now he's in some of my favorite movies, and he was a wonderful actor, I think, and had a really great look, you know, mm-hmm. with that bald head, you know, because yeah. you didn't see too many cue ball guys <laughs> at that time, you know, maybe Kareem Abdul Jabbar, but he played basketball, but right. he he had a real look to him and a real screen presence. Too, so we mentioned this. This is one of the most disturbing films we've ever talked about on the show. What disturbs you the most? It's a good question. Um, I don't know if it's the, the 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 setting alone, or I think it's the fact that places can have an impact on you somehow. Yeah, in history, and this place is just kind of jam packed with so much, you know, disturbing things. <laughs> Yeah, and absolutely. you can't control them sometimes. And, you know, that's kind of what creeps me out because you never I, know. I will go there with you. Uh, everything that we've talked about from the setting yeah. to the uh, to the way that this thing is put together. Do you know what was creeping me out when I was watching this for the, for the show? The quietness of it. Mm-hmm. It's so quiet. There's a lack of music in it, you mm-hmm. know, and what is there is great. But it's so quiet uh the thing i'll tell you what disturbs me the most is the bathroom scene yeah with uh nicholson and um uh grady um yeah well, absolutely it, and there's no sound mm-hmm. in there i mean there's a sound design going on that mm-hmm. is just kind of kind of it's just very unsettling but it's very in the back but there's something about the way that they're shot and then mm-hmm. when you go in close on nicholson and close on on grady it's very disturbing to me, mm-hmm. you know, out, oh, of, yeah. out of everything in there. Um, but uh, the quietness of all this, you know, is yeah. very, very terrifying. The, Again, uh, the whole isolation. Isolation, you know? not being able to get away. It's not yeah. easy to get away. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that would definitely get me. I'm, I'm someone who doesn't want to be trapped in something. So that I'm, would I'm the same way. Get me. It's amazing feeling that claustrophobic in a place that big. Right. <laughs> so why do you, why do you love this movie so much? And so many reasons. I love the way it looks. I love the intensity of it. I love Jack Nicholson in it. I just, I think it's a wonderful movie. I do too. Stanley Kubrick is a master filmmaker. He's a legend who really needs no introduction. Um, Stanley's directed some of the greatest films of all time. Paths of Glory with Kirk Douglas, Lolita with James Mason, Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb with Peter Sellers. He did... um, Spartacus with Kirk Douglas, 2001, Space Odyssey, A Clockwork Orange, Barry Lyndon, this film. He did Full Metal Jacket, and he ended his career with 1999's Eyes Wide Shut with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. As a, All of these movies are very wonderful, and everyone needs to see all of them. This is probably his most famous movie because of the cultural impact of this. You know, right. Most of his movies had some kind of cultural impact, but this one, you know, especially around, you know, Halloween time, yeah. you know, and it's been satirized and parodied and all of read, these things. Um, people believe this is his most perfect movie. And I could go there. Yeah. And when it came out, it did not have any, you know, the critical praise was very uh, down the middle with it. And it's hmm. been reappraised as one of the greatest horror psychological yeah. films of all time. So from the Stanley Kubrick fan side of me, and this is why I love this movie so much. I love all of his movies that they are kind of perfect all in their own mm-hmm. way. And uh, 
you know, we haven't had many filmmakers like him. He's probably the most influential filmmaker. He and Hitchcock, you know, those are those two names that always come up on everybody's list. You can Mm -hmm. see the Kubrick influence today on somebody like Christopher Nolan, uh, especially in his Batman movies and Interstellar and and, uh, things like that. You can still see it. Uh, Kubrick was a photographer by trade, so every uh, frame kind of is a you know, photograph. It's yeah, a that's pretty cool. painting or photograph, you know, uh, things are arranged in just such a way. Now, yeah, he was a noted perfectionist, but there is still a heart to his, right. to his movies. And this, uh, this, I love it from the Stanley Kubrick side of things. I just love it from the creepiness of it. That's and, where I'm at. I just and, love yeah, the creepy intensity that comes off of it. You know, the, the minimalist, the, yeah. you know, the minimalist horror yeah. You know, idea. You're trapped and you can't get out. Yeah. You know, it's a very simple idea, but, uh, there's just so much, I, I like about it, and I did watch when it came out on TV 20-something years ago, the 1997 TV remake that they did, and Stephen King had his way with this one, and it was way more like the book, and you know what? It wasn't as good. It, <laughs> I haven't it, seen it. It wasn't as good. Um, there are purists out there who will say, oh, yeah, the TV movie. No, this is, this. you know. Does it lack that? kind of creepy intensity oh or? it's it's got creepy it's got creepiness it's just this just is on this whole other level yeah you know and everybody involved with that tv movie was top notch you, know, you had steven weber from wings and rebecca de mornay and uh uh i know there was someone else in it but it it was okay you know right. see you didn't even know that they had done it right that's uh, that's the impact that nope. it, that it had <laughs> right and uh, i just think that this this is you know just fabulous. Yeah, and, and it, with, I feel it's a, it really is a hard movie to top. For I mean, for psychological thriller, for horror, I don't. It's done so well. So many things. Yeah. Speaking of that, where does it rank on your list of horror films? Top ten for sure. Top ten horror films. Oh yeah. Where does it rank on your list of all time films? Mm, that's a good question. I'd probably still put it in my top ten. Horror films. I would say that it is in my top ten. I would say it's. Definitely, I'll, I'll I'll put it in the top ten. This is really good. All time movies. I'm gonna go probably top fifty. You know, I would. I, it's, this is a movie I've seen. Yeah, man, probably close to fifty times at this point. I've I've seen it twenty I've or twenty five so times. So many times myself. Yeah. So and it's amazing when you go back to it how dreamlike it is because mm-hmm. I, I've seen it so many times, but I still am surprised. I'm like, okay, well, wait, what's coming now? Exactly. You know what's what's happening now? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and with that said, what what is it that keeps us and movie goers around the world, movie lovers, uh, coming back to this time and time again, trapping us in that cycle of violence <laughs> that we talked question. about? Because it is a cycle yeah. of violence in this. Maybe maybe because it's just so well done. I mean, I don't know. It is. Yeah, there is that element. And I think we can all kind of um, identify Relate. with this in some in some way. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a it's an anxiety nightmare. One on one, being stuck somewhere that you can't get out of with someone who's trying to kill you, definitely. Absolutely. And um, you know, one more quick question: What is it that you think people just absolutely love about this movie? Because this movie is revered, mm-hmm. you know, in in horror circles and in just you know movie circles. You know, what is it? You know, I don't know. Again, I think it's just so well done. It just the way it flows. I think the like I keep saying the word intensity because that's what it is when I watch it. It's kind of yeah, you know. It just kind of jumps Absolutely. out at you this whole time. It's it's great. 
It is. It's just really great. And maybe we all keep coming back to this cycle of violence because we're all sick and twisted. And uh, <laughs> I think that's what it is. <laughs> and, and dirty people underneath. Well, we're going to take a very short break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about some of our thoughts on Dr. Sleep and what we hope to see with Dr. Sleep. And we will talk about that when we get back from break. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we will see you on the other side. Scott Rice, host of Laser Beams. Pew, pew. That's Laser with a Z and Binks with a Z with your update from Laser Drains. Pew, pew. Tonight's high scoring laser tag was Bull Ball 69 with 815,000 points and 224 confirmed kills. That's kills with a Z. Also, Laser Lanes is now selling chocolate tacos. Mmm, This delicious chocolate taco is a very good dessert and was the source of much laughter when Hippie Juice 69 sat on one and it looked like he had pooped his pants. We all had a good laugh over that. Join me, Scott Rice, for laser beams. Pew, pew. Be sure to also join me for trekkies. Zoom, zoom, and bags and boards. Flip, flip. Only on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. This is Junior Watson, Kozak Corner's favorite redneck, and I got me one of them that shows on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. It's called Better Red Than Dead. That's redneck, not one of them comic red some bitches. They deserve to be dead. Anyway, this week's topics include my favorite liquors to drink out of a jug. I'm also going to be talking about why my girlfriend Shane Denise is so hot. I think I got something to do with them tickle bitties. Join me, Junior Watson. You know me. I live down there by the railroad tracks on Bitter Red and Dead. Oh, WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Woohoo! Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we have just done a special edition in uh, celebration of the release of Dr. Sleep, the sequel to The Shining. And Faith, this is kind of interesting because the uh, movie, I believe, is kind of treading the line between being a sequel to the book and to the movie. So what are you looking for in this movie? And, and is this something you're looking forward to? I really am. It's what I, I do want to see. And I honestly don't know what I'm looking for, for if that makes any sense. <laughs> It, it, it does. I was apprehensive about this until we read that it's the creative team between the uh, Haunting of Hill House mm-hmm. that is uh, doing this. I know that Henry Thomas, who was in the Haunting of Hill House, has a role in this. Some are speculating that he is playing the older version, or not the older version, but a uh, version of Jack Nicholson's character, uh, Jack Torrance. Maybe something else, but uh, like all the speculation, what I've been reading, it sounds like he's probably playing jack torrance so i know they're going back to the overlook in the movie that's in the uh, mm-hmm. that's definitely in the uh, trailer you see you right. and mcgregor looking through the door so i really don't know what i'm looking for in it me neither that's where i'm at i'm just you know i do want to see it but 
I'll just, I guess, wait until we <laughs> see what And like I said, uh, uh, the involvement of the creative team behind Haunting of Hill House has me on board with it. Mm-hmm. Ewan McGregor's involvement yes. with it has me on board wait, with it. Uh, it's Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm sorry. It's Obi- <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, I know Bruce Greenwood is in it. Uh, Carl Lumbly, who's another great actor. I can't remember. I, can't, I get the Rebecca's mixed up. If it's Hall or Ferguson playing Rose the Hat, the villain of this piece, she's in it too. And uh, she's wonderful. I think it's uh, Rebecca Ferguson. And so I'm, I'm very curious. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the reviews, the early reviews are pretty good on it. So we'll have to see. Yeah. But uh, I hope it... I just hope it doesn't tread on the nostalgia, right? You know, and right. yeah. and tries not to be something that it's not. Exactly. You know, and I think I recall reading that they are going to try to just tread the line between being a sequel to the Kubrick film and to the to the uh, novel. I hope that doesn't dilute the product mm-hmm. in any way. So we shall see. I really just hope we get a good creepy movie. I know. <laughs> you know, it's always good to get a get a creepy movie. And Obi Wan Kenobi's in it, so you Obi Wan Kenobi has the Force, and I mean the Shining. <laughs> and uh, quick, uh, fun trivia bit. Do you know where he got the phrase "shining" from? I feel like I knew this at one point, but I forgot. So go ahead and tell me. The John Lennon song "Instant Karma." We all shine on. That's where he got. Uh, all right. He got the idea for The Shining from. So I highly recommend The Shining to anyone who has not seen it and (laughs) anyone who has not seen it in a while. And if you're one of these people that watches this movie every week, please continue to do so. (laughs) Are there people out there you think that do? I I think there are. You know, I knew a lady who had not seen this movie and she was uh, visiting her daughter in college in North Carolina, this is 20 years ago and they were showing it and they were there around Halloween and they were showing it at the uh, local theater and she decided the whole family had seen it and wanted to go see it. And she went with them and, uh, I asked her afterwards, I said, well, what do you think of it? And she goes, well, it scared the shit out of me. (laughs) Good answer. And I think that's the best, uh, review of this film is it scared the shit out of me. And on that note, there it is. Faith. Well, we certainly want to thank you all for stopping by and listening to us talk about The Shining. And if any of you out there see Dr. Sleep before we do, please let us know how it is. Faith, I think we've had a had a good one. I think so, too. You ready? I'm ready. Let's sign off. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep, keep your, your monster, monster on a leash. leash. We'll see you on the other side. This is a coyote for the late night fright. You know, there's a lot of crazy people out there with axes just waiting to bust down your door and get you. We hope you take the good vibes from this show and bring them out into the world because old Satan Claus has that axe and he's busting down the door. You fight him with them good vibes. And if you can't find them out in the world, look deep inside your heart. They're right there waiting for you. We'll see you next time.